this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, good morning and thanks for tuning in again today. We are continuing our study in the book of Proverbs. We talked last week about the financial wisdom that Solomon has to offer in this particular book of Proverbs. And of course, we always incorporate a number of other scriptures throughout our study. And we're going to continue with that theme this morning in our second part of this series, I guess a mini-series within a series of uh, the book of Proverbs. We're thinking about financial wisdom again today. And specifically, we want to think about contentment and honesty and work ethic as we continue thinking about financial wisdom. So I want to begin with a text in Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, because I think that this is a good way to get us started uh, with this discussion. And the writer says there in Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6, to make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And specifically that first part of verse 5 there, when the writer speaks to contentment and making sure that our character is free from the love of money. We talked about that a good deal last week, and we looked at First Timothy 6, and I'll, I'll allude to that text again later this morning, but... Um, but the Bible is clearly saying that this is mission critical, that we have one love and that it is God. And we have to be content with the material things that we have, whatever we've been blessed with in this life. Certainly there are those who have more than others uh, from a physical standpoint, a material standpoint. But the Bible is calling all of us, wherever we are on the economic spectrum, to be content, to be satisfied with what we have been blessed with. And now... Remember, within that command, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, don't try and climb the corporate ladder or be promoted or or get more education or, uh, you know, work to improve or, or increase your bottom line. You know, none of that is none of that is um, forbidden within this command to be content. Um, but again, the the idea is just be satisfied where wherever you are. Uh, it's okay to work for that raise and it's okay to get the promotion and, and even want the promotion and try to get it. But the point is, even if you don't, even if you don't get it, still you have to be happy. Still you have to be satisfied with what you have. Because the Bible is telling us that God will provide for our needs if we're faithful to him. If we are seeking first his kingdom, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 33, if memory serves, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And Jesus has been in that discussion, has been speaking about uh, worry and, and the evil of worry and anxiety and how that can trip us up and distract us and cause us to pursue a number of different things that ultimately, at the end of the day, aren't as important as spiritual things and, and his agenda and his gospel. And so he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, um, because your Heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things before you ask him. And I'm paraphrasing there, but that's the context in which he says there, uh, seek first the kingdom of God, seek his righteousness, 
and all these things, the things being the material blessings that he's been talking about, they will be added unto you. And Solomon said something similar in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 3. Remember we read a couple of weeks ago, and we've been using chapter 10 as kind of a, a launching point in, in the introduction to these lessons. Uh, but he says in, in verse 3 of chapter 10 that the Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger. Well, think about that. You know, We find that same principle within the new covenant, that God will supply our needs. And I emphasize that word needs, needs, not all of our desires, not to, you know, everything, you know, we ask for, you know, give me a new car, you know, that's not just going to come down from heaven. And, you know, just as a basic illustration of that principle that, you know, we, we get that. I think every parent gets that because we don't give our kids absolutely everything that they ask for, right? We may want to give them good things and may even have the means to do so, uh, but at the end of the day, sometimes we might just say no because we know that it's not in their best interest or there's some outcome that we see that they may not understand. And so we, we don't, for a number of reasons, we don't say yes to absolutely everything that our, that our kids uh, ask of us. And it's, and it's the same with God. So if we, if we can understand that and we can't, by comparison to God, see beyond our noses and his vision is infinite, you, you know, we, we can trust that he knows what's best and he's going to supply our needs if we are pursuing his kingdom first. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 8, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. So there's that principle again of, of contentment. And Paul again tells the church at Philippi that my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. There as he's talking about the gift that that church had sent him, a uh, monetary gift, I believe the, the text indicates because Paul is writing that letter from Rome. He's under house arrest or in prison and he is needing financial support and, and the church at Philippi uh, sends Epaphroditus with that support to Paul and he's thanking them for that and he's assuring them that God will meet all of their needs. Again, I, I emphasize that word. Uh, and so that's that's something that we can take great comfort in and confidence in. And I think it, it helps us um, fulfill this command to be content, to be satisfied with with what we have. You know, in, in our society, we're so blessed materially, and we've discussed this before, and I won't go into statistics and, and all of that, but, uh, but you know, we our economy is, is the strongest in the world. And, you know, you may not think that hearing reports from the media and, you know, the, you know news that's politically motivated or has some agenda behind it. But if you just look at the facts, and we're not going to go through all that, you know, we're the biggest economy in the world. And so what that means is that as, you know, per capita GDP, or if you just look at you know, overall GDP uh, on an on a individual citizen basis, you know, we on average have the highest incomes in, in the world. And, you know, in a, in a capitalist society, we're, we're just overrun. We have, you know, so much, again, on general, generally speaking, and on average, by comparison to the rest of the world, we have a lot more disposable income. And so we're, we're just, we're overrun with ads and uh, commercials encouraging us to chase all kinds of products because we have the, the means to do so. Uh, and because we're, we're so blessed and prosperous in this, this nation economically, uh, we have you know, all the latest technology and we have industry 
and you know uh, factories and, and the means to support those things and that can keep producing all sorts of products and services for us. And so we have all these things marketed to us. And a lot of times, a lot of times in those ads or commercials, there's this promise of, uh, you know, happiness and satisfaction or worry-free living. You know, if you will just buy whatever the product is, you, f- you fill in the blank, new car, new house, you know, a certain kind of makeup, whatever the case may be. I mean, you know, sky's the limit. But, you know, talk about over-promising and under-delivering, right? And, uh, and this is not a knock against you know, capitalism as, you know, as a, as a philosophy or anything or anything like that. That's not my point at all. It's not political at all. I'm very thankful that we live in in the country that we, that we live in and that we are so blessed economically and and prosperous in that, that regard. Um, But my, my point and and nothing wrong with buying those products, but my point is, is if we're doing it, if we're chasing those things and we're, and we're buying into uh, the lie really that buying X, Y, or Z is going to get rid of all our worries and anxiety, or make us happy uh, and and fulfilled. Uh, we we need to go back to the Bible and see that it's pointing us in an entirely different direction. Because happiness and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment is not going to be found in any thing, in any material thing or or product. Again, biblical wisdom is calling us to be content with what we have, and that's part of financial wisdom. You know, how many of us, how many of us have overextended ourselves financially uh, because we just, we simply weren't satisfied. We simply weren't content with what we had. So we have, you know, we accrue mountains of debt and we, and we become more anxious and more worried. And then there's marital strife uh, and fights about money. And then we are not able to give as much as we want to give to charity or to the church uh, for that important work. Uh, And there's all sorts of financial woes that we could talk about that really are rooted in a spiritual problem, and that spiritual problem is discontentment. Discontentment or buying into the lie that material, physical things are going to make us happy. You know, But all those financial woes could be avoided if we seek biblical wisdom and we learn to be content. There's a man by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs, and he was a Puritan, and he said this, that contentment works... Contentment works not by adding to our circumstances, but by subtracting from our desires. And I love that because I think Solomon would agree. In fact, I know he would. He says in Ecclesiastes 5.11 that when goods increase, those who eat them increase. And listen to this. What gain has their owner but to, set, but to see them with his eyes? Oh, think about that. What gain has their owner, since speaking of material things, of goods, he says, as goods increase, what gain has their owner but to see them with his eyes? How powerful is that? I mean, no kidding, right? How often do we get more stuff just to have more stuff? And the reward, Solomon says, is you get to look at your stuff. That's it. That's the reward. Is there any satisfaction in that? I'm like, I, you know, if you don't know me, I, I like to collect uh, vintage video games, stuff from the '90s, '80s, and, and even earlier, like in the Atari days. And I would probably get a pinball machine if I could get my hands on one. But at, you know, at that, in the final analysis, you know, that's that's fun, and you know, it's it's cool to have a piece of history and memorabilia 
and perhaps some of you, you know, you have your hobbies and your collections and things you like to uh, like to go after. You know, that that's my thing. But at the end of the day, in the final analysis, it's just stuff. And I just get to look at it. You know, I can put it on my shelf. I can put it in the display. You know, I can show off to my friends, you know, what, what I have. But none of that's going to satisfy me spiritually. It's not going to fulfill me in this life. I'm not going to look back at the end of the day or at the end of my life and say, yeah, I really did so much good by getting uh, all of that. And I'm not saying that, it, you know, having collections and having hobbies is evil in and of itself. But, but the point is priority. The point is contentment. You know, are we, are we seeking ultimate satisfaction in, in those things? Or are we pursuing those things and compromising our, our, our souls, I should say, in pursuit of those things? Are we pursuing those things at the expense of our families, at the expense of worship, at the expense of godliness? And that's, that's the issue. Because if we are, that means we're discontent. It means we're not satisfied with what God has given us. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6 that godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, Christians are not immune to the call of materialism. It's a very loud call in this part of the world. And that's not a new problem because many have abandoned the faith to chase riches to the ruin of their own souls throughout throughout history, not just in our time, not just in this particular place. But Paul speaks to the issue again in 1 Timothy 6.10 that some by longing for money, longing for riches, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Does that describe you? Do you find yourself in, in that position perhaps this morning? You, you look back over the last day or week or year or several years, last decade, and you see that you've You've been chasing so many different things that are ultimately material, physical, trying to uh, basically give your life to those things. And and you chase those things to the detriment of your own soul and to your own family and your relationship with God. Those are part of the many griefs, I believe, that Paul is talking about here in this, this context. And Solomon knows this as well. We go back to Proverbs. It says, The person who has a strong desire to be rich will be tempted to sin. And he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. In Proverbs 28 and verse 20. And so these are timeless principles. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows when we give ourselves over to a desire to be rich, to be wealthy and we pursue that with reckless abandon to the again to the detriment of our souls he says we will be tempted to sin we're going to sin we're not going to go unpunished in proverbs 28:22 he says a man with an evil eye hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him and so ironically you know in the pursuit of these things to fulfill a, you know a desire that we have within our hearts to to be rich and to be wealthy and to have more disposable income that we can just spend it on whatever we want and just kind of coast. The Bible is saying you're going to find yourself in want. And not necessarily materially, even though I think that can be the case, but but spiritually you're still going to find yourself 
unsatisfied. You're still going to be discontent. In other words, if you can't be happy without all that stuff and without all the riches, you're not going to be happy with them. And so again, how many people have pursued wealth, again, at the expense of their their marriages and their children and their, even their own health, right? Just working hour after hour after hour and, and ruining their bodies and, and their morality and at the expense of God because they're trying to, to make it rich. And maybe even they go, you know, I, I mentioned at the expense of morality, maybe they even go so far as to get rich by deceiving people and defrauding people. It's easy to forget that a righteous God sees all that we do and he's going to hold us accountable. Listen to what the, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. This is Hebrews 4 and verse 13. He says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, everything is uncovered and laid, be, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's what we have to remember. You know, in ancient times, there were dishonest merchants that are spoken of th- throughout Scripture or alluded to throughout Scripture who would use uh, two different sets of weights. And so when it came time to to do the exchange and, and to barter, uh, you know, they would uh, use use a weight against the, the item so they would know, you know, what it's worth was by by weight. And so they would have these two sets of weights, one light and one heavy. And whichever, uh, whatever they were engaged in, whether they were the buyer or the seller, they would pull out uh, the heavier or light weights. And Solomon says, you know, to their own advantage, right? So they wouldn't, so they would end up paying less than an item's worth, or they would end up selling it for more than it was worth. Uh, to to their buyer, depending on which end they were on. And Solomon says, differing weights and differing measures, both of them are abominable to the Lord. Again, fraud is nothing new. And and deception is nothing new. And and God's judgment remains the same on those things. He, He judges those who deceive others by selling faulty products or using false advertising and Solomon says that the acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. Proverbs 21 and verse 6. So God wants us to, to abandon that, but he doesn't want us to give up work. We talked about work ethic a, a lot last week, and we're going to go back into some other Proverbs again uh, this week. Again, none of this is to say that it's uh, that it's bad to again, want to increase your income or your, or your revenue or, or um, pad your bottom line and, and adopt new services or make new products or anything like this. You know, this is none of, none of that is to, to say. None of this has been to say, you know, that being wealthy or, or having an abundance is evil in of itself because the Bible doesn't say that. Again, it's about priority and it's about um, what's at the center of our lives, you know, what we truly worship as we talked about last week. As Jesus said, you can't worship God and and money. You're going to love one and hate the other. You'll obey one or the other. And God wants us to earn wealth, but he wants us to do it honorably. He wants us to do it on his terms through hard work and diligence. Uh, and we had a lot to say about that last week. Uh, and, and again, that's that's all well and good. We, sh- we should do those things. And we shouldn't wait for others to provide for us. That's another point that uh, we didn't discuss last week, but... Uh, one proverb I want to share with you 
is Proverbs 20 and verse 4, that the slugger does not plow after the autumn, and so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. And so, you know, there's there's no cavalry coming, basically. right? And, and if we think that, if we're sitting on our hands and we're waiting for an inheritance and then we'll just coast, well, we, we can't count on that. And the Bible is saying don't count on that. Rather, work. Work while you can. Don't be a sluggard. Do your own plowing. Don't wait for someone else to provide for you. Don't expect easy money, in other words, and don't fall prey to get-rich-quick schemes, whatever form they take. Proverbs 28 and verse 19, He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. He who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. You know, get That's all get-rich-quick schemes are, is they're, they're empty pursuits. So those who seek easy money are usually impoverished in the in the process. And I, one of the forms I think that this can take is being picky about what kind of job you'll you'll take or what what you'll accept. And you know, it's in a, in a free market in a, in a free country. You know, you're, we are so blessed to pursue what, whatever vocation we want uh, to the best of our ability and within our means, and go to different. We have our choice of schools and. Uh, all, all sorts of things, and th- and that's all well and good, and, and we can take advantage of that, uh, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not uh, I'm not knocking that at all, um, but not everyone is able to pursue his dream career. Right? There's just there's just limitations and circumstances in life that that can't be helped. They're beyond our control. And again, and as we're thinking about being content, we we have to be wise in the jobs that we pursue. Because there's there's some jobs that are uh, that attract more seekers than there are opportunities, right? Everybody would love to be a, a CEO and have the income uh, for that, but those you know those jobs are in the minority, right? You have to work to get there, and we can end up dragging our families through a lot of misery and poverty because we we don't face this reality either. We're 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 trying to reach too high to get somewhere that we're just not ready for. We don't have the ability for, and we're not being honest with ourselves about that. Uh, or we're falling prey to a get-rich-quick scheme, right? We're, and we're just pulling our family and dragging our family along with us because we think we're going to find easy money or strike it rich somewhere. And, and Scripture is telling us, do what you can with with the what you the ability that you have at your disposal to establish revenue for yourself and for your family, and work while you can to support your family and do what's necessary within the bounds of God's authority. To provide for yourself, and and in doing so, you'll then you'll better be able to to take on financial responsibilities in the future, and and set yourself up for um, gaining more revenue in the future. Proverbs twenty four and verse twenty seven: Prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field, and afterwards build your house. And so God is placing the priority on establishing. Um, uh, revenue, getting getting income, right, and this and financial wisdom. Do this first, and, and do what you can, and work with your hands, and work diligently, as we discussed last week. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might, and work for the Lord, and and not for men. And then you'll be better able to take on other financial responsibilities. Build your house. Uh, you know you'll have more disposable income. But the point is to get get to work. Uh, don't fall prey to those get-rich-quick schemes. Don't look for easy money, um, but do good, honest, hard 
honorable work. Because the enemy, the enemy is is working to tempt us to abandon godliness, to to abandon contentment for material gain. He hates he hates honest, pure labor, and he wants us to find no satisfaction in it, even though God has said otherwise. In Ecclesiastes two four, excuse me, two twenty four, we we looked at that text uh, last week, or perhaps it was the week before. I'm just going to go there briefly and and pick out verse twenty four again. Because Solomon says a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil or their own work. And this too, Solomon says, I see is from the hand of God. So a satisfaction in one's work at the end of the day, that is a blessing from, from God. You know, first of all, be thankful that we have a job. Be thankful that we have a revenue, that we can support ourselves and our family and, and be satisfied in work itself. That too is from God. But the enemy wants us wants to turn that on its head and wants us to be dissatisfied and discontent and unthankful and ungrateful and complain about what we have. And friends, that's just that's just unbiblical. It's anti-biblical and it'll lead to, to misery and ruin and piercing ourselves through with many griefs. And I want to think with you for just a moment about one specific example of, you know, getting rich quick or something that overpromises and underdelivers every, every time. And that's gambling. You know, gambling is one of the enemy's devices to discourage and undermine a godly work ethic. And, you know, pretty much every state within the union runs a lottery. And, you know, it, it usually claims to use the proceeds for a good cause like education. But biblically, what we what we find that said about gambling is that it's ungodly, it's unwise, and, and it's sinful. You know, gambling isn't named specifically uh, in in the scripture, but the the motivations behind it and the the outcomes uh, are all addressed. and And the fact is that it, gambling is motivated by a lust for riches, and, and and it's exploitive. It exploits those. It's exploitative. It exploits the ones who lose, quote unquote. And I say that because, you know, I say lose, quote unquote, because no one really wins when they gamble because it's harmful and, and it, its effects on society in terms of crime and substance abuse and debt and suicide and, and ruining families. I mean, the, the, all of that goes hand in hand. And if we can't see the evil of gambling because of those things, then we're not being honest with ourselves. Because gambling is poor stewardship of God's resources, and we're called to be good stewards. We talked about that also last week. And there's only two things that can happen when you gamble. Only two things. And both of them are bad. You may lose, which means you have foolishly wasted your money, thinking that you were going to get something for practically nothing. Or you may win, and again, there's no winners, because if you win, in, in that case, you've defrauded other people by taking their money without earning it. There's a, um, a scene in, in uh, the, the miniseries Band of Brothers. If you have ever watched that, it's about um, uh, Easy Company in, in World War II and their, the battles that they fought in, under the command of, of Captain Dick Winters. And, and there's, a, there's a part where uh, uh, Captain Winters is speaking to one of his other officers who decides that he's going to play cards and gamble with uh, with some of the other men, some of the other privates and you know uh, um, uh, non officers, and uh, he takes him 
aside quickly before he he goes in to play cards and gamble with with uh, with the soldiers, and he he chews him out basically, and he says, "Never put yourself in a position where you take from these men, or we even have the potential to take from these men." And so Captain Winters gets it, and you know this was in a not you know this wasn't in a religious context. This is just you know part of part of the show, and it was a, it was a you know, it was a lesson in leadership, basically. But my point is, is that, you know, Dick Winters gets it. And again, and this is a non-religious context. And he understands that gambling is taking something. If you win, quote unquote, you're taking something from the loser. You're taking their money without earning it. And they'll resent you for it, basically. That's why it was a lesson in leadership. You know, there's a, a lot of accounts where those who have won the lottery and through their folly, they, they wind up penniless and friendless. Because wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Proverbs 13, 11. And again, Solomon says, He who profits illicitly troubles his own house. Proverbs 15, 27. So biblically, the wise give a full day's labor for a day's pay, and they're even unwilling to take advantage of somebody else's ignorance in business transactions. Solomon says, this in Proverbs twenty fourteen, bad, bad says the buyer, but when he goes his way, then he boasts. Right? So the honest, wise workers is even unwilling to underpay for something. So what we see in God's word is that financial wisdom in work entails maintaining our integrity because we know God will ultimately bring justice to those who defraud, to those who pursue wealth with reckless abandon. So do we keep these principles in mind as we go about our day-to-day affairs and dealings? Are we truly the content, honest, hardworking people God has called us to be?